The ideas expressed in this recording are by no means a manner of denouncing the existence of anyone transitioning or an attempt to deny the validity of anyone's subjective experiences. A path that provides insight for anyone to learn their own peace is a path worth traveling, and the strength it takes is admirable. This project for me is more of an admission of failure to complete an objective that I had worked very, very hard on. It seems the understanding of self that I was seeking resided in the process, and not in the end result. Expected value of a random variable is the theoretical mean of the random variable. It is not based on sample data, it is based on the distribution of the random variable. So the expected value is a parameter and not a statistic. Welcome to the first episode of the Variance Engine, a Brubaker Brothers podcast series. I am Jason. Um, I've been trying to flesh this project out for quite a while. It's it's gone through quite a few iterations, actually. Um, basically, the the forum that it's going to be is a place where we talk about existence, uh, existential philosophy. Um, the source of where our thoughts come from, epistemology, and, you know, all the different variations that are observable within the human being, the, you know, the different types of people. It's, um, it's something that is a strength, I think, in our species. It's, we have evolved within parameters of what can be, you know, there's so many of us, I mean, there's billions of humans and not a single one of us are the same we shouldn't be predetermined to fall into a statistical classification based on our hardware the the human body exists on a spectrum pigment size gender intelligence sexuality we all develop influenced by exposure to variables from conception through gestation and into the three dimensions that we currently reside in. Our own self-awareness is molded by the variance engine of the subjective independent consciousness that we have within us. Human variation, it's something that's so amazing and unique. Like if we'd only take the effort and the time to teach each other and to learn from one another about how similar we actually are, these minute differences that you know separate us of body um there wouldn't be such a drive to segregate and and continue the divide of being human that's been socially tempered into our flesh for countless countless generations some of this is probably going to seem pretty esoteric uh, there's a lot of secular ideas involved and it's going to be kind of long-winded. It's it's a monologue of me speaking. Um, but there is and forever is going to be references made to the correlation of the varied ways that all the societies throughout our social evolution explain their collective interpretations of the gift of human existence. 
in my personal opinion, I believe that we're built this way to find a reason for gods. And it is no mistake or opinion that there can be so many similarities found between all the philosophies and the religions of the world. If you look and, and you start just comparing details, um, the details are there. So it's these similarities and the dichotomies between all of the separate groups where you and I fall in between all of these things. That's my drive to create this project and share it with anybody that that's really willing to listen. So the first series in the variance engine is called one year as a woman. Um, I'm basing it off of a series of experiences. I survived the bulk of them. I underwent from the summer of 2016 until September 10th of 2018. I'm aware that the, you know, that time frame's well over a year, but the title itself is going to become a lot more clear once I get to the middle of the story, which is probably going to translate to the second episode. Um, it takes place from September 13th, 2017 through December 10th, 2018. The dates are specific, uh, but some of the details are going to be left out. People, uh, names you know i don't i don't want to uh necessarily like dox anybody i don't want to throw anybody under the bus i i just kind of want to uh tell the story of my experiences and how the, i was impacted how i learned from it um maybe lessons that i'm still working on learning uh you know everything is going to be based off of my subjective experiences uh during my transition from male to female it's this probably a good time to decide whether or not you want your money back uh if you want your refund i'll grant it no questions asked um it's not necessarily going to be relevant to you if you don't believe that trans people exist if you have any kind of hate towards them i mean if you do and you still want to listen that's fine you know Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe you'll change your opinion. I don't know. Either way, hopefully it's going to serve as a reference for a few people, an explanation for any other people, and um, most importantly, this it's going to be an apology to my daughter who my life choices, my decisions, my drives, the person I am, they've affected her the most severely and in some ways – unforeseen the following is going to stand as what i'm calling a post-ego suicide note uh, from a drive to identify myself that wasn't and still isn't satisfied until certain aspects of myself are at rest now i we all have drives we all have things that um make us happy give us some amount of euphoria that uh, make us sad um, and there's always been a just question or multiple questions or a bundle of them I don't I don't really know how uh, to describe it that um, there's a hunger I guess to find myself and there are certain aspects of myself through my experiences which also stand as an elephant in the room these experiences took 
time they still have been taking time for me to rectify and you know there was a certain personality i guess or ego there was there was a, a a being within myself that i guess had to be had to be ended had to be put to rest for me to become the person i am today which honestly i am significantly happier of a person today than what i was pre-transition during my experiences um on hormone replacement therapy and you know the time that it's been a year since i stopped my hormones um so i guess it's it's more of an evolution but it it follows the same mindset as the um life death and rebirth cycle so the first episode in the series is called the elephant in the room coming from the phrase used to describe an obvious and underlying factor or other aspect that could create conversation between people that they generally will dance around instead of directly approaching it like how would you approach an elephant that's sitting in the middle of your kitchen how would you approach a little boy who is wild and effeminate doesn't necessarily understand the supposed social importance that of their born genitalia and how most people extrapolate an identity from it you know that weight and that anxiety that it surrounded it and encompassed me um made it very difficult for me to understand myself my own self um i had a certain amount of disassociation from the general regions of my body as a child which forced me into a, a certain lack of guidance during my growth phase of my child occupational development. Most people never have this question forced upon them by flesh or by influence. The deeply rooted principles of identity to whether socially their gender should match their genitals is, is allowed to them. They, they never have to question it. This question was born with me or it was tempered into my flesh my body it is the weight of that elephant that's in the room here's the thing i wouldn't necessarily say that those without this question in them are lucky just as i wouldn't say that anyone is luckier than another now i think there are some out there with far more advantage and predisposition for success than another but i think we as humans have evolved to improve our experiences of our own form and to share that improvement with the other varied forms for survival. Being raised as an independent thinker and left to my own feral nature frequently as a child, a large part of my influences were derived from what inspired me, what gave me a certain sense of euphoria, so to speak, in my doings in any given day. My social influences were largely sourced from my older brother, who, you know, we spent a lot of time together growing up. We were best friends we were siblings um we were enemies at times and uh television was a big other social influence uh a lot of i think where i derived femininity from was uh associating with female characters in shows that i would watch and just kind of gave me more of a 
sense of self, so to speak. I know a lot of the the role playing and the you know the social occupation development play that was done. I would emulate uh, a female character as opposed to any of the other male characters, which had predominant roles back in the you know late eighties, early nineties. Um, socially, my parents also were an influence on me till I entered public school at the age of around five. Uh, my internal landscape of positive reinforcement was different from the other kids once I reached school. I found out quickly that my atypical nature would actually land me on the disciplinary side of the nurturing from my teachers. Uh, I, I didn't struggle in school with the educational side of things, but the wild behavior that I had and the, I guess, atypical nature of myself, it, it, it segregated me. It, it put me in a, a confined box where nobody would really want to associate with me because they were afraid of getting in trouble as well. My zeal had me desperate to find anyone similar to me. But as I said, my behavior and my differences isolated me from my peers. Um, my position seemed to amplify my personality type tendencies for being an introvert. It reinforced the strength within me and, and the hunger towards finding where my thoughts were derived from and who I was and how I fit into the social narrative of the world around me. Social reinforcement works similarly inside of an individual like mathematics does in application in logical and physical realms. Our own understanding and observance of empathy and validation kind of provides a compass for better comprehension of our own internal realms. It's, it's an instinctual thing. It's a psychological thing. We take what we re, uh, receive externally and, and model our behavior through that, whether we're uh, receiving positive or negative. You know, we kind of course correct according to that. The, you know, the verdict's still out on nature versus nurture debate, in my opinion. So looking back at my life at this point, you know, I can kind of attribute certain aspects to, to one more than the other and vice versa. But I still believe that both aspects of the existence of myself and, and humans you know, that created this debate, they're ever-present in the distribution of the variables of my personality the type of person I am, was, and will continue to be. We're going to flash forwards through the sporadically influenced, tumultuous years of my prepubescence into a time of development most people know as puberty. It's uh, the exploration phase, as it's called in childhood occupational development. During these years, there was an overwhelming presence among the socially presenting masculine types to be heterosexual, only attracted to the females. Um, the elephant at this point begins to shift its weight very frequently. I was attracted to females, not just sexually but socially as well. I, I, I wanted to be pretty and sought after. I wanted to receive the attention that I saw the, these females receive. I've always been an emotionally based human and the balance of what I had observed and associated with up to and unto that point uh, had been myself empathizing and, 
and emulating female roles in television and movies. The females around me. During prepubescent stages, there's really there was really no drive from anyone to notice the difference between the two socially, other than you know we use different bathrooms. Um, so I I just went with the one that felt closer to me. You know this, along with a curious, annoying attraction to certain males that I had encountered, was then and it's still now in certain portions of the world, even in America, it's not accepted socially, especially during the times right after Matthew Shepard murder and subsequent trial for some self-destructive sense of survival i found myself very deliberately placing all those aspects of myself in the closet sitting directly beside my four and a half inch heels of proposed feminine tendencies see i was born with a certain model of reproductive hardware but i never really attributed it to to what interested me like it it didn't define who I was. Intrinsically, I believe, and instinctively at times, I compare myself more significantly closer to what I observe socially as feminine. This, alongside of the body dysphoria that I've encountered, clinically describes me as transgender. My interests in the internal world that I was living in, what modeled the person I am today inside, it wasn't always the truth that I live on the outside. If only I had known then that the world doesn't provide you with the affirmation of your own self that you might need. It doesn't owe you shit. It doesn't owe you anything, honestly. You have to crawl and, and bleed through the balance to, to find these things on your own. There's no, there's no external book or... or home or religion philosophy even that you're going to find that is going to define you and if you find it don't trust it it's it's bullshit somebody is trying to manipulate you during my years as a spy as i refer to them i spent a lot of time searching myself out through abstract and calculated social interactions that i had with a few girlfriends and their families I was more comfortable in the presence of these social females than with the males in my age group. All most of them wanted to really do was relive the toxic masculinity of their fathers and their grandfathers. This spy aspect of my social presence in a very small high school, very small town, proclivity to violence, was more of a disassociated isolation that I was familiar to from my behavior as a prepubescent single-digit child. I was living as an emulation of a person. A summation of enough parts of social masculinity to keep myself safe from violence. It wasn't done out of the need for acceptance. I really didn't care at that point. I had had enough of the isolation where I was starting to fight back. I was dying daily inside from having to suppress myself, the the person that I had, you know, I had known as a child. It was killing me and, and bearing the weight of the constant invalidations. It was it was the actions of a wounded animal trying to survive. It wasn't, certainly wasn't for the need for acceptance. As I had mentioned earlier, the late 90s and early 2000s, they were far from an accepting place for anybody who was flying a rainbow flag or, or questioning whether they needed to or could stand under the rainbow flag. There's certainly plenty of folks that 
it had the wherewithal to say, fuck everybody. I'm going to be myself. I really wasn't one of them. The lack of acceptance along with the reported violence that was present in the area that I grew up in towards anybody of any variation. Uh, the choice became clear to me on my balancing scales as to why I crawled into the closet beside my favorite pair of heels. And, you know, I held the door tightly, tightly closed. I made the choice for some reason. Hopefully someday I'll be able to uh, rectify within myself to choose my own survival over my own identity. I was a firm believer that anything that made me feel anything to do with the elephant in the room uh, it's worth the experience eventually. So I'm still learning daily the damage I did to my life inside of myself by not nurturing that that fire within me, that spark within me. Uh, it's it's something I think as long as I have flesh, I will still struggle to interpret my own identity, to to own own who I am, um, because we're based off of what we experience externally, the influence things affect us in ways that we don't necessarily wish them to and it's it's those things that we have to try to balance out and and find ways to deal with trauma for instance is is one of those growing up we had attended church and we also had uh, been involved in certain native american religious practices and you know a lot of their stories teach us about the importance of the the spark inside of us the soul so to speak maybe i just didn't listen maybe i was too much of a know-it-all teenager i just maybe i just couldn't comprehend how important that life spark inside of me was and, and still is you know i i was read on the you know the stories and i observed life in nature I, I just missed a very important part of the calculations to understanding it back then, it, the me part of it. I had hidden my soul from those around me inside of the closet, which had arms and legs and a head that looked pretty similar to mine, but it was devoid of the light inside of me. Plenty of the religions and philosophies out there will try to name it, they'll try to tell you what to do with it, but... I think the most important part is knowing that there is a, a certain amount of fervor inside of yourself, you know, maybe from an agnostic point of view. I don't know what's after this. I don't particularly want to know what's after this. But during this, this life, this, this time where I have this hunger and this need to find a place in the world um it was it was really critical information that i just didn't pay attention to for the longest time i had been bearing the the weight of the choices of my decisions which allowed me access to all the social things that typical folks didn't even have to question um allowed me an opportunity to meet a man someone who if i look back at it now without romanticizing him in death or using rose-colored glasses of nostalgia i believe i fell in love with him we were inseparable for for years of my time during high school yet looking back it was that survival instinct it, the fear 
of the repercussions of my true nature that prevented me from ever telling him until the day he was lowered into the ground a few years later. During this time, I also met a female who struck me to my core. She carved her name on the inside of my heart. She isn't your your mother, my daughter, but you you get to see her when you see me now. Eventually, graduation comes along, and the summer of long-awaited freedom, along with other betrayals of the life I had found myself in, crashed upon me. By November of that year, I had moved in with my girlfriend, who would turn into my first wife, and eventually your mother. March of the following year came, and the first man that I had ever allowed myself to love died suddenly and tragically. I had the painful synchronicity of timing and events to have the picture of his body with a white silken sheet draped over it burnt into my visual memory. My whole world inside of me in that tight, tight closet felt like a coffin now with a white sheet draped over my face. It was suffocating me. For years after this, I had thrashed around under this elephant and, and made a woman that I had grown to respect, your mother, absolutely miserable. This revenant that I had become had been stealing my fire from me. It was attempting to steal hers as well. Until one day, in 2012, you were conceived. Upon finding out the news, the existential horror that I had been living in, it shifted for a while. This amazing understanding began coming over me. I had fulfilled this biological prerogative of the flesh that I wasn't readily able to identify. I, I really hadn't... Um, understood it. I spent the entirety of the time you were being carried inside of your mother in a deep meditative state, just trying to understand all the mess that I had been carrying, all the uh, different facets of what created who I was. I was trying to find my spark again, the, the one inside of me, so that I could clear enough room out to, to have space beside my heart for you. You were born at 3.57 p.m. on November 1st, 2012. The love I felt when I first laid eyes on you and the guilt of how things played out since then is really the source of this project, this apology. It's something that I, I don't think I'll ever be able to justify. I won't ever be able to fully convey how I feel about it. I, I'm making an attempt. Um, one day maybe you'll listen to this. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully I'll still be alive and we'll get a chance to talk about it. You'll be able to tell me just how I affected you and and I'll be willing to listen because I owe you that. Little had I known that in order for me to love you as you deserve to be loved, I had to face a large and seemingly immovable object within myself. It was a matter of just a few simple words that I had to understand internally. About a month before your fourth birthday, I broke down and talked with your mother about everything. How different I was. The things unspoken that made me the way that I am. The mess of it all. And, and, and all the weight that I had been carrying and how it affected things how much I still wanted to be a part of your life, irregardless of all of it. It was on the day of your fourth birthday that your mother and I spoke together for the last time as partners. 
she asked me to leave and I did it was it was a day that I'll probably forever remember uh, where I was what I was doing I honestly didn't know how to handle the gravity of everything I freaked out I spent the next nine days in the behavioral health unit of the local hospital trying to work on all the things that I had battled for so many years I spent hours in group therapy with individual psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, nurses. I walked what they called the road to recovery. Um, the facility was shaped in a big U and I, I, I was still dealing with a lot of anxiety and I was still just in a, a heightened state of, um, I was upset. My whole world up until that point had pretty much just flown apart. Uh, so I walked. I don't remember a lot of that short period, uh, just flashes. Uh, I don't even really remember much of the conversation that I had. Between the stabilizing medications they put me on, the, the emotional explosions that were happening within me, and the absolute despair that had set in because of not being able to be a part of your life daily anymore. Uh, it just, my brain kind of just took that and locked it away. It was, it was a dark time. After those dreaded nine days, I spent the next few months trying to piece my entire head back together. There's only so much I could really tell you. For your age, you were very intelligent, but you fully couldn't really comprehend what was going on. There's still times in 2019 that I don't know if I comprehend fully how everything played out and I have to hold myself back from explaining everything to you. I suppose this session here is only part of my explanation, not as an excuse for why things happened, but an apology for how ignorant of self I was for so many years and how it affected everybody around me. The most valuable thing, my dice here, is that you know yourself and you live that truth as to who you are. During these months, I also started to try to look into a definition that matched how I viewed myself. I certainly wasn't looking to be labeled, not by any means. I just had to find the tribe that I belonged to, the people who shared similar life experiences and similar mindsets as to mine. I had hoped that maybe they would have the wisdom of this self that I had so desperately needed. I in turn found the transgender communities online through different forums and message boards and just various different ways that people communicated with one another back in 2017. I don't know how in posterity things will things will look, you know, when they look back if this if this recording stands 20 years, how much differently uh, people will communicate because in 20 years time communication has evolved so much. I started reading about all these different aspects of the definitions, the social roles throughout history, the struggles that this tribe endured. Like these were my people. The the feelings that I had suppressed and and carried for so long. There were other people out there that had lived the same experiences I had, that had the same fears, maybe went through the same um, hiding in the closet experiences. Th these, This was my tribe. Having felt that I had finally found a group with enough of the same personality, variable distributions, 
I started identifying as transgender. I came out and, and told people that were close to me, which ended in another series of social isolation. It's such a social taboo to, to be transgender. Uh, hopefully, in the future, that's not the case. But a lot of the people that I had considered my friend and they thought they considered themselves my friend, they took a quick look at the situation and they removed themselves. They ghosted me or they just stopped texting or, or messaging or coming by. I had researched a variation of this human before in my, my distant past, cluttered with the strife and grief that I had been carrying. I didn't tell anybody then because I knew how things would play out. And my life at that point had been playing out exactly as I had expected. It was the same as when I was a child in you know my first few grades where my wild and feral nature, my atypical behavior and, and beliefs about myself, they just they set the stage for my, I guess, pre-assumption, my assumption of how things would play out. I, I knew secretly that I was going to one day walk amongst this tribe, but I wasn't sure how long that would last. During the spring of 2017, my need for human companionship started to get the best of me. So I moved in with a male mentor of mine to explore the romantic aspects of a relationship that I had so long been afraid of experiencing. This man had been there for me during periods where I had needed somebody. Now, in in younger years, there was there was never any romantic aspect to the relationship. It was more of a mentor situation. But as an adult, um, I could experience maybe a certain aspect of that relationship that maybe he wanted then, but he never forced on me. He was an abrasive person. He was aggressive at times. And some of the stuff he did was borderline, if not abusive. He was very supportive of my transition. So I took the balance where I could. Uh, I, I justified the aggression and the abuse to to have somebody in my corner that was supportive of my transition. Through his companionship, I found myself going through the gatekeeping process in order to get the hormone replacement therapy that I believed I needed in order to validate myself and my identity. For those of you who don't know or haven't had to experience it, the gatekeeping process for me and, and for others is having to endure a, a series of psychiatric evaluations, each of which in my case were an hour long. During these sessions there was a lot of questions about motivations, history, uh, etc. To, to try to weed out people who are deciding to transition for the, I'm putting hard air quotes on this, wrong reasons. One of the additional kickers to this was the fact that the closest place that was even willing to do these evaluations was just over a two-hour commute one direction. So four days during the summer of 2017, I spent traveling this journey. It was a pilgrimage of sorts to be asked questions that I had meditated on and I was ready to answer. Each trip I had made, I had had to pay out of pocket for the visit. The, the fuel expenses, our meals, and any other costs that were incurred during this. There, there was no simple way to approach this in 
our infrastructure medically it was one of those things that i really had to seek out to even find a place to go that was willing to to put me through these kinds of tests it was two hours away to harrisburg or three hours to pittsburgh or four hours to philadelphia so there was there was a lot of planning that had to go into it there was a lot of really I guess foresight and, and predetermination on myself of resolve. I had to make that decision to even do it. So after my fourth visit with the therapist I had seen, she wrote me a referral letter. She was, she was a nice lady. She was really sympathetic. She was really empathetic. She wanted to know about me. She had wanted to know about what my drives, what my motivations, what my internal landscape looked like. They diagnosed me with, and I'm going to put hard air quotes around this because I don't know the political correctness of the archaic terms they still use in diagnoses, but they diagnosed me as transsexual. Wherever this term landed, it it put me in a position to be able to go to their general practitioner, which they had in-house, to be prescribed hormone replacement medications. Uh, They put me through a series of blood work to determine where my natural hormone levels were sitting at, and they sent me on my way in, in agony and anticipation until the results came in. The, the tests usually take what they told me. It was about two weeks um, for the testosterone levels to appear properly in your blood. So there was a two-week period where I was in just this state of anticipatory agony. The supposed holy grail of my transitioning came in the form of a phone call on September 13th, 2017, which another strange synchronicity of the universe and a, or a comedic twist of the gods or irony was my birthday, my 33rd birthday. After struggling to figure out where nearby I could have such a taboo prescription filled, I found a compliant larger chain for pharmacy out of town that really didn't have one opinion or another about it i had the doctor's office call it in all of my 33 years up to that point became hinged on this drive to the pharmacy on what would become a physical and metaphorical birthday a poetic birthday where i could finally start beginning to live chemically as a woman if only then i had understood that chemistry just as physiology doesn't define the spirit that lives inside of you That seems like a good point to end the first session of the Variant Session series, One Year as a Woman, by the Brubaker Brothers. I am Jason. If you missed it at the beginning, uh, this is actually my story. Um, And it's made available to our patrons on Patreon first. Join us soon for the next session. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, and prayers, you can check us out on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash problematicast. Our email, which we actually do enjoy reading and we would like to get more of, is theproblematicast at gmail.com. We thank you for listening and stay subscribed if you want to hear the next episode and all the other stuff we have in the works made available first to our patrons.